It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. And thank you for joining me here on a Tuesday. It's 1 p.m. and we are here with two fantastic guests. Uh, we had to shake the lineup up a little bit, but we have two great guests today that we're really excited about having on the show. Uh, whether you're listening live or whether you're tuning in, uh, a lot of you get us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, it seems like our audiences are either tune in live every every week or uh, the rest of you kind of get us uh, when it's convenient for you, which is totally fine with us. So just appreciate everybody listening and being a part of the show because the show is really about us having some really interesting conversations around talent, around culture, around engagement, and really trying to figure out what the most talented people are doing out there, our, our, you know, our executive leaders, our heads of HR, our CEOs, whoever that's coming in on, on the show to really talk about uh, what they're thinking about, what they're doing, what they're not doing, uh, what they're reading. Um, and this show is really designed around that idea of, you know, finding these cool people so that we can learn from them and we can hear their stories. And so many of these stories have been so great over the years that they really uh, sort of were so important for us to get out there into, you know, other formats. And that's why I released my book, The Power of Company Culture, in 2018. And again, that book was really inspired by some of the best stories as well as the story of my company, what we did around culture. If you want to check that out, you can find us on Amazon. It's in all the different formats or wherever you buy books, you can probably find us. So um, as I said, we're here every uh, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you want to tune in live through um, through whatever platform, Talent Talk Radio, wherever on TuneIn, wherever you find us. Um, but uh, don't forget to subscribe to iTunes or iHeartRadio and you'll know. Uh, when we have a new episode out there. All right, we do love to keep the conversation going. So my associate producer, Sarah uh, Blake, today will be uh, live tweeting all the best comments. So um, as those kind of little tidbits come in, you can see it on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting uh, that. You can follow at PeopleG2 or just use that, follow that hashtag talent talk, all one word, and you can kind of see that as the show goes along. Or if you're coming in after the fact, that's a great place to go. Find that cool comment that you were thinking about. And let us know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you you know? What's your your take on whatever we were talking about? Um, that's where we love to to keep that part of the conversation going. All right, so let's get to the conversations. Uh, my guests today on the show are Mary Fox, the CEO of Marlowe, and then uh, we'll bring in after that interview and after a little commercial break, we'll bring in Troy Hoffman, uh, CEO and founder of Simplurus. So um, let's go ahead and bring in Mary Fox. Uh, Mary, welcome to the show today. 
So uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? What should we know about you? What's important uh, for our conversation today? And of course, what does your company do as well, Marlo? Yeah, thanks. So like you said, my name is Mary Fox, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Marlo. Uh, we are a personalized development platform. So what we do is offer one-on-one coaching and personalized resources to people who are looking to take their career to the next level. Uh, we typically work with companies. So we're working with uh, learning and development teams, heads of sales, heads of uh, other different departments to provide coaching to their team members. Most of our members are new managers, maybe experienced managers who are looking to build up those core skills. So what I like to call core skills, other people might refer to as soft skills, uh, communication, time management, career development, um, direction, things like that. Um, so just to give you a quick background of, of where I came from, um, studied in Kansas, so I came from Kansas. Went off to grad school in London and um, ended up in San Francisco where I got the bug to, to get into the startup scene and realized how much opportunity there was to um, expand what me and my co-founder Chelsea, what we learned in our roles throughout people operations, so how we could get coaching into the hands of, hands of as many people as possible. Yeah, so it sounds like you went uh, quite a bit of distance to, to kind of find your passion. Um, you know, aside from maybe just initially being exposed to it. Um, was there any other sort of impetus behind starting this really a personalized development and coaching platform? Uh, you know, there are some out there, but I think to your point, maybe the um, the waters are still quite blue. So what was our driving factor there for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, definitely still blue waters. There's lots of opportunity in this space. But really for me, it came down to my career journey. So like I said, I'm from Kansas, but... Um, during the economic recession, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I thought I would just find a new job, and that it, that's how that would go. Um, and this was in a time where lawyers graduating from top law schools were serving as administrative assistants in policy offices, and it was just a really tough time to find a new job. And I remember thinking, wow, if, you know, I'm never going to figure this out, and eventually learned through trial and error, um, but ended up as a special assistant at the Brookings Institution. And if you're familiar with Brookings, you know that a lot of these scholars that work there, it's the think tank in D.C., um, and the scholars are literally briefing the president of the United States on a regular basis. And yet they would come into my office and prepare to meet with our vice president of foreign policy, and they'd be stressed and nervous about what it is that they wanted to talk about. And I thought, man, if these people who are you know, my idols at the time um, are struggling to have a difficult conversation or advocate for their team, what hope do the rest of us have? And... I thought that that was something I would just develop magically. And, and I, I learned through trial and error. I eventually became the head of people ops. So I definitely found my way. But what was clear is that these skills that we expect employees to have, we, we expect them to be able to communicate effectively. Those aren't skills that people come up with magically. And so as the world starts to take a shift and we see the competitive landscape of companies really trying to vie for market share, they need talent that can level up in these skills very quickly. And the people who are able to do that are the people who will move fast enough. And I just thought, you know, the level, the playing really level with people who have great mentors and great access to networks that can help them become that senior director someday. But the vast majority of professionals just don't have access to these resources. And so what we wanted to do was take executive coaching, take the best parts of it and put it into a format that was scalable to people who otherwise wouldn't get access to such a resource. Um, and so for me, it really is a personal mission. It's about helping people not have to stress about their job, not go home and, you know, vent to their partner every single night about work, but instead start to take 
control of the situation and add more value internally. Um, and so that, that was really the driving force. And then I brought on Chelsea, my co-founder, because she's like me. We just live and breathe this stuff. And we, we live to see our members make progress toward their goals. So you, you've started this platform. You, you're really you're kind of driving the right types of activities and, and um, I guess, kind of uh, uh, patterns to, to allow people to, to improve in these areas. Are you starting to see some trends in the overall space or trends that uh, maybe with those people that are using your platform that you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. In, in the overall space, there are plenty of trends that are happening, and, and this has just been really great timing for us and, and other companies in our space. Um, leaders in many organizations, from small to enterprise, are spending more time thinking about how to develop their team members. So it used to be that you could hire great talent with great technical skills, and, you know, and the best soft skills. And today it's really trying to help get your existing team members to where you need them to be. So to help them grow within the company. And even if they're only planning on staying for two years, you really need to focus on making sure that those two years are great for both, for all parties, really. Reed Hoffman calls this um, tours of duty, making sure they're doing the best work they can when they're with your business. But the trend that we're seeing is that companies are spending more money on learning and development. CEOs and C-suite teams that used to be maybe a little bit more hands-off in this space are starting to expect more from their learning and development teams and getting more involved. Um, they're placing more of an emphasis on return on investment, right? They want to see the ROI of these programs. Traditionally, only about 18% of companies are measuring this. So uh, we're seeing a huge surge in companies caring about the impact that their programs and their money that they're spending on these programs has in the long run. Um, and then internally within our members, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of members who are feeling like they don't know what's expected of them, right? They're coming in, they've been told they need to refine their executive presence. They've been told that they need to be uh, a better communicator overall, but then as they, they get into it, it's not clear to them what that means. And so having a coach to help them walk through that process and ask them questions to really think about it in a more strategic way has been incredibly powerful for them. Um, and then the other theme that we're seeing is around time management because today's professionals have a million competing resources and they have people vying for their time on all levels, but they want to make the time to learn. And and so micro learning, and I know this is a buzzword that's happening throughout our space, right? But having that opportunity to spend five or 10 minutes thinking about a topic and investing in their own development uh, is important. They don't have three hours to sit in a workshop. They can't prioritize that over a, an important project that's coming up, for example. Right. So, you know, it feels like this is something that has become more important um, recently that's gotten maybe some additional light or additional attention. And yet I kind of think back, you know, f 50 years. Did, did we ignore it back then? Was it not something that was important? Do we have different, a different way to develop people? You know, why is sort of this, is maybe it's maybe it's a technology, maybe that's it can help us do it in a better way. But do you have some thoughts on maybe, you know, why this is sort of getting so much more attention now than maybe before? it's multifaceted and it's different by company, right? So we still have companies, many of our clients are in more traditional industries with uh, employee bases that, you know, a lot of their employees have been there for 20 or 30 years, like coming into retirement. Um, and so, you know, a lot has changed with new generations coming through where people stay at their jobs less uh, for a shorter amount of time. Um, but that, so back in, you know, say 50 years ago, a lot of the training was done more in a classroom setting and workshops. And that hasn't changed that much actually. A lot of companies today are still you know, creating these really heavy workshop 
processes where you're spending, you know, two, three days a quarter uh, trying to learn a new skill. And I think there are situations where that works really well. Um, when you're trying to get the whole team to level up, when you're trying to set really clear standards for performance, these can serve their purpose. Um, but what's changed is that, one, today's professionals just demand the change, right? They, they're moving from career to career. They don't need, it's, it's not lateral. So they, if they're spending two, three, four years in your company, they see this as a stepping stone to their next path, whether they're a director or an entry-level employee. It's really the same idea. They want to grow. And if they don't see that opportunity to grow, they're going to leave. And so especially with the, the unemployment rate so low, people are leaving their company. And this is, you know, we're seeing this everywhere. And so I think there's partially a competition, right? You have to provide great support for your team members, make sure that they're wanting to stay as long as they can. And then at the same time, the programs 50 years ago, they just weren't being measured. Like I said before, people weren't measuring um, what parts were working, what parts weren't. And so when you go to improve those programs, it's really tough, right? If you don't know which parts are actually adding value. And so today, I think that impetus on ROI is surging and L&D leaders are paying attention. And then on top of that, um, you know, you managers don't want their team members or even vice presidents, right? They don't want their team members in full day workshops for three days at a time um, when they could be working on some project to push value to the company. And so this flexible approach is more important. And then the last thing I'll say on it is having a personalized um, learning process has just been proven to be more effective when you can learn in a way that's relevant to your current goals, the work that you're working on, uh, it's relevant to how you learn personally, and it also aligns with your schedule. Finding the time and making the time to invest in your career is just easier. And so as you see people actually adopt this approach and you see that the team members are engaging in it, it's pretty easy to move away from those other more traditional approaches. Well, and it's pretty easy to see if you compare this to what's been happening in education, um, they're maybe five to 10 years ahead of what I'm sort of seeing in the business world, which is, you know, they're already doing this. They have these very specialized programs where the kids can learn from starting from where they're at um, instead of where they're supposed to be or where their average class, you know, person is. It's, it assesses them, figures out where they're at right now, and then begins that process of using that software to help them maybe learn their times tables or to learn, you know, uh, some sort of a grammar rule or whatever it may be, and then work them through a process. Of course, for the kids, it's, it's fun. It has games and things like that, and I imagine some of these adult ones do, too. But it's really, really effective, to your point, when it's specialized and really tailored to what those um uh, you know, those students or those executives or those whoever you're trying to train uh, are when they come in. Uh, is there any other areas that you see that, you know, traditional programs tend to fail outside of not measuring or maybe trying to force everyone into one training at one time? Is there any other kind of things to watch out for? I think buy-in is really important. Um, I, I like what you said before about learning being the education space is just 10 years ahead of the, the curve. One of the things there is that you had a lot of people pushing and saying, hey, we need this change, and, and that change happened, um, and it's been exciting to watch. But in, in the corporate space, a lot of times um, programs are just pushed out and, like, as in thrown out into the world, and this is the new program we're doing. And maybe it was a few uh, senior leaders who helped develop this program, but ultimately very little work was done to acquire buy-in. And so we're seeing a bigger shift toward getting stakeholders at all levels to participate in the development process. So, you know, personalized development, which is this what we've been talking about, right? Having that ability to learn when you want to learn in the format that makes sense for you, 
um, it can't just be thrown at you and say, you can't say, hey, here are the goals you should have and this is what we need you to learn um, because you won't get the motivation behind it. And so as companies roll out successful personalized development programs, they're slowing down to talk to team members, to talk to uh, directors and managers, to talk to senior leaders and making sure that everybody understands the goal here, understands what's supposed to happen so that if they see an opportunity uh, to correct something or to make to improve this process, they can speak up and they don't feel like, oh, well, yet again, HR is throwing out another program at us and we're supposed to just get bought into it. And so this shift toward more of a community-driven approach to learning, I think we'll see more and more of. Yeah, and that really sounds like the recipe for helping companies really personalize their talent development programs. Uh, yes, of course, you want senior leaders to identify what's important and where, where we're trying to go, but yeah, make sure it's measurable, make sure that uh, we have buy-in, that people are you know, aligned with, with that goal, right? That we're trying to get people from A, a to B or A to C, whatever it is. And that the whatever that program is, is something they want to do and that they'll enjoy doing or be have the energy to do, then it's not something that is draining people. And I think it does depend on the person and the position and the industry. I have seen certain industries where going to conferences, I think eight people in HR and teachers love to go to a conference um, and that is just their jam. But then, you know, other groups and other people, they'd much rather go on my own. I want to learn the thing. Give me a program. Give me access to something and I can learn it, master it, and then come back and, and share it with the team. So there certainly are differences, I think, from from company to company or person to person as well. Um, sure. And if you don't know your blind spots there, I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but if you don't know your blind spots there, it's, it's really tough to know if your program's going to be successful. And a workshop mm-hmm. that starts at 8 a.m., you know, you might not realize that you're only getting 50% participation because everyone's dropping their kids off at school or whatever the case might be. And so just talking to people will help with that success rate. I know, you know, in a training, uh, training mag uh, industry report in 2018, they said that 46% of companies um, were using outside products and services compared to 2017, which is a pretty big shift. I was seeing more and more, you know, technologies being brought in uh, to help with training. Uh, wh- what do you what do you think is causing some of that shift? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? What, what, what's sort of your thought process there? Yeah, I, I saw that same stat, and I think a big part of it is uh, starting to rely on companies who are focused on being successful in a specific niche area, right? So if you um, want to roll out a, a coaching program, for example, something like Marlowe, um, you might try to build that internally at first, and that might seem like a great idea, but what we're seeing is that building out a new program from scratch internally takes a lot of time and a lot of resources, and there's no opportunity to, to really learn as you're going without having some negative impact. And so when you can partner with a company that's already done it, I think we're, we're seeing that the costs are coming down, which makes it possible for organizations to do this, but also um, L&D teams are small, right? And a lot of times, if they're rolling out their own program, that means they're not doing five other programs. And so when you can collaborate with other organizations, it's just more scalable, first and foremost. But then I also think we're seeing a lot of this be around content. So um, that 46% number, that, that increased a lot from the year before. They hardly, the, the outsourced spend wasn't really that much from 2016 to 2017. And a huge portion of it was content creation. And so what I mean, or and what I think Training Mag is referring to is around the curriculum and the um, original content that they're providing to these team members. And I think it just comes back to like this portfolio approach of learning, making sure that your team members have access to a huge variety of, like you said, is it conferences? Is it uh, podcasts? Is it 
YouTube videos even, or is it like LinkedIn learning, whatever the case might be, um, paying for that outsourced content is going to be more impactful than trying to develop it all internally. And there's, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but we know that just the academic rigor and the expertise that exists in this field is huge and vast. And so if you can curate that for your team members rather than trying to make it from scratch, it just goes a long way. So it, let's just say it's an, the average manager or team member, or maybe it's maybe even this is the same for an organization. But if you know wherever they're at, if they've decided that they're going to go after some sort of training, right? They want to bring in some sort of program. They want to help with this. There's all these obstacles that they may have. But I, I like to kind of you know frame the question in is what should they be thinking about? What's the most important things that they should be focusing on to make sure that whatever program, whatever they do. Um, will have the best chance of being successful for their team, for their company, whatever that, that, that sample size of people is? I think treating this like a product, right? You're treating a program like a product or service that you would sell to an external client is a great place to start. And like any new product or service, you're going to spend a lot of time talking to these clients, if you will. And so in this case, it's going to be the participants of your program, the other stakeholders involved. And so gathering as much research as possible really developing a, a prototype, so to speak, right? This is what we're thinking of rolling out. I'd love your thoughts on it. And sending that back out into those, the hands of those stakeholders so they can share their perspective and get their buy-in. I'm sorry, share their buy-in. But a big part of that process is also just helping them feel like they're a part of this program, right? It's not something that was just thrown at them. And similar to a product or service, if your customers feel like you're listening to them, they're much more inclined to use your service, right? They're much more inclined to, to be a community member in this process to improve the service. Um, and then the last part is around measuring. Um, and so just like a product or service, you're going to be measuring a variety of KPIs to see how this is going. And if you start at the beginning defining what those metrics look like, you can make sure that those are built into your entire process, that they don't slip through the cracks. They're not an afterthought. Um, we use the, a modified version of the Kirkpatrick model, but the, the most important part of that, I would say, is the, the fourth stage, which is around really measuring the long-term performance. The first three stages are around, you know, satisfaction. Do people actually use this, this program to, are they learning from it? Are they applying those learnings? But then what does that longer-term impact look like? And if you think about that as you design your program, you're going to have better results. So I, that's my takeaway. Treat it like a, a product or service that you sell to a customer and then if you're getting really poor satisfaction scores, that's a bad sign. But also, if it's not being used how you would hope it would be used, that's another sign that you can use to um, improve it moving forward. Yeah, and and that's just so so important that we can we can do all those different things. And treating it like a, a product launch is a really interesting idea. Um, you know that if, if you're trying to think about your employees like you would your customers, right? To be able to sell them, to show them the benefits, to you know to get them on board uh, very often we just you know dump it on them uh, like like we would our our children when we tell them to go pick up the trash uh, or take out the trash instead of you know like a client where we need to sell them and get them to think about these things so it's a really great way to kind of think about it that i'm really glad you've identified you, you know we only have a just another moment here i want to make sure we ask uh, our last two questions and the first one is is there a book that you're reading right now that maybe you could tell us about I rarely have time to read, but I listen to Audible and I use Scribd all the time. So those are great resources. But um, these days I'm on, oh gosh, the, I think the best one is Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. And Checklist Manifesto is this reminder of how important it is to have a checklist. And as we think about personalized development, I actually think that's the most important part of the process is to just think through your, your process and create a checklist. 
Um, also listening to deep work. So deep work is um, by Cal Newport, and it's really how you can stay more focused. These books have been out for a long time. I'm way behind. <laughs> no, that's great. You know, and we get so many great suggestions from our guests, and uh, we just want to know what you're reading. It doesn't have to be that you're reading something that came out last week. It's, you know, what are you thinking about? And there's so many great books that uh, have been written over time that, uh, again and again, continue to be an inspiration for a lot of us. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And most important question here as we end is, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Maybe they want to work with Marlo. They want to check out your your service. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so you can definitely go to getmarlow.com. So T E T M A R L O W.com. And we're also at info at getmarlow.com. Feel free to send me an email. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's Mary Fox. You should be able to find me pretty quickly. Um, But yeah, we're always looking for great partnerships across a variety of channels. And uh, like I said before, we work with small businesses all the way up to enterprise. We have a couple companies with more than 200,000 employees. So we're ready to, to partner with the companies that care about their employees. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being on the show today, sharing your insights, talking about your company and everything that you're doing. I think a lot of our listeners who are really focused in on training are really going to be fascinating with everything that you talked about. So uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things you're doing. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and I'll bring in my second guest, uh, Troy Hoffman. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Mary Fox, her interview will be posted along with my uh, next guest up here in a few weeks. We'll have it up on iTunes, on iHeartRadio. Just look for Talent Talk. You can put in my name, Chris Dyer. And you can subscribe to those channels and make sure you never miss another one. Uh, if you go to talenttalkradio.com, you can also subscribe there. You can find all of our past shows as a great place to go for any resources or, or any other episodes you might want to listen to. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the show here, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at PeopleG2. You can follow that hashtag, TalentTalk, all one word. And we do live tweet this. You can go back in. And comment on some of the best uh, one-liners, the best tidbits and things we talked about today. And give us all your suggestions and comments. We love to keep that conversation going there on Twitter. Um, But my next guest uh, is uh, Troy Hoffman. And let's go ahead and bring uh, Troy into the show. Welcome, buddy. Chris, how are we doing, sir? Doing fantastic. So Troy's a good buddy of mine. He was really uh, generous enough to to come in and step in. We had someone that had had an emergency. And so... I'm so happy you're here today. We can talk. Uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, what your company does? Um, you know, what's the, you know, what's the the elevator pitch here? What's the 30 second version of who you are and what's going on? 
So we have a couple companies. Uh, one of them is called Simplaris. We do class action settlement administration. We also do back-end work for mass tort cases, bankruptcy cases, and just back office for law firms. Another company is called Balance Genics, which is a supplement company I started to help people with adrenal health and detoxification because of my own challenges that I went through, you know, scaling companies and getting unhealthy in the process. And then we have another one that's like a consulting company for entrepreneurs where we just help other entrepreneurs how to grow their companies and scale their companies, hopefully avoiding the pitfalls that I went through in the process So along the way. So you have so many great things out there on social media, and you've been you know, spending a lot of time around the, the leadership and culture and that kind of you know helping CEOs and leaders think about scaling and 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 being their being their best and dealing with their failures. Uh, I know you kind of do like some quotes on Twitter, and you have all kinds of great resources out there for to help people be better. What is the what's that? What's truly driving you to do this as a leader? You have your other businesses, you have things you could be doing, you you could be keeping this all to yourself. But what's what's sort of behind all of that uh, motivation for you to be out there encouraging other people to be better? Chris, it's kind of funny. You uh, like someone actually asked me this recently, and I, and I wasn't really sure at first. Like, oh, this is driven. I got out to think about it for a second. But man, I it, was, it really sucked trying to figure out how to learn how to build businesses, how to figure out how to scale them, how to run them, all the pain, all the pressure, all the disasters. Like the first two companies I built, I had to go through bankruptcy because somebody that was an ex executive at NASA told me to bankrupt him instead of coach me how to transform it and change it to where I could be easily made them successful. And I just, I didn't have access to entrepreneurs that were, that were great coaches. I didn't have access to great leaders. I didn't have access to all the information. Like the World Wide Web was just getting off the ground when I was becoming an entrepreneur. And even now there's so much BS and so many people out there that really are sharing a ton of information. I've never really lived a lot. And I think, I think what, what we need now is more leaders because the people that are actually doing it, the people that are living it, the people that have actually built amazing companies, not a lot of them are actually out there pitching or talking or doing much. And the people that are haven't really done anything. So just sharing away, Chris. Go for it. Well, I mean, and one of the things I love is, you know, you have this tagline on your website, which is change the old story and write a new one. And I can't tell you how many people I talk to that have this story in their head. Right. And I, and, and I, I sometimes I'll ask people, what's the story you're telling yourself right now? You know, that they're not good enough, that they're going to fail, that there's too much risk, that I can never be that thing or that, that big of a company, whatever, whatever it is. And it's sort of like, you know, it's this little voice kind of holding them back. And it's such a difficult thing for people to really wrap their heads around that maybe their own brain, their own experiences could be holding them back from, from, from being better. Right. To, to, and I think, People like yourself that are out there talking about that, inspiring them, are really, really important. But what advice to anyone that's out there that's in that place in their life, right, that kind of has this story that is holding them back, what would you give them about creating that new story? You know what? This has been a huge journey the last few years, really discovering. And I, and I really started applying something called uh, from Byron Katie. Have you read the book yet called uh, Loving What Is by Byron Katie? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think I read a summary, but yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. <laughs> okay, so it's awesome. The question she asked, the powerful question is, is it true? Is the story you're telling yourself true? Is the, is the BS story in your head, I'm not good enough, I'm not too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too dorky, I'm, I'm not rich enough, I'm not smart enough, I've, I've never done that, that's holding you back. Is it 
true. And I think going through this this process that I do every day, I take we we take the entire company every year through the book Crucial Conversations. I I go through the Byron Katie stuff. I there's something called the thing called the Stack by this guy Garrett J White. I'll do every day and clearing the negative stories. Like I'm I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm Whatever it is, I'm glad, I'm happy, I'm stoked, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm like, whatever the story is, I'm really trying to discover like what the insight is, what the revelation is, and the process of going through that every day has been, it's been awesome, man, because sooner or later, you're like, a lot of the things, I used to have all this projection on all these other people, well, it's her fault, it's his fault, that person's bad, this person's bad, and, and at the end of doing these stacks, the, there's a turn where instead of saying that person I'm angry with, and then it says what specifically, you know, you turn on yourself and you go, well, I'm, I'm angry with me for that. Like that person's an idiot. Then you say, well, Troy's an idiot or something. And then you go, well, what evidence? And you say, okay, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I need to improve in this area. And, and a lot of it's like, how do I change the, 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 the process and the mental process and the way I think about life and the way I see the world? I think that's been one of the greatest changes in my own life. Like it's just, uh, just a huge, huge level of responsibility on yourself and no one else. So, yeah, and and that's so important that I guess if we have coaches and mentors and bosses and CEOs or whoever that are going to take us through that process, because I find people, you know, we get busy. We we have our goals. We have things we're doing. We have our families and our kids, and none of the, that sometimes just slowing down enough to do a little bit of work, right? A little bit of of self-improvement, I mean, if it's just once a year or whatever that is, can be so empowering. I think that's why it's great for people to go to conferences or to be exposed to new ideas or read a book or, or whatever it may be. But uh, you know, there's so many people out there that wish things could be better, but I don't see them doing anything right to to change that to to you know do something different, learn something new, and and to begin to maybe chip away at whatever's bothering them. So it's really fantastic you're doing that with your team. Um, I know through your coaching, you kind of really encourage entrepreneurs and business owners to not only grow their business, but scale them and achieve that kind of high level of freedom, which is not something we hear a lot of people talking about um, that, that can come with that, that kind of successful business. What does it look like for an entrepreneur to ha- and how do they get there? So for freedom, Chris? Right, for freedom. Well, I think it's, it's the definition process, right? And I love how, you know, I go through this process basically two days every quarter, and it's kind of like a religion almost. And I go through what's working and what's not, and my body being balanced in business. What do I want in the next 90, and what do I have to do to get there? And and I think every 90 days and every year, that definition of freedom shifts. Or like six, five, six years ago, my definition of freedom was like really not going in the office and not showing up as much. I had a, like sitting at a desk all day, and that was my definition. I could hang out the house, I could travel, I could work remote. Um, my definition of freedom now is the fact I get to start cool companies. My definition of freedom now is like I get to have a ton of people come to the office to meet me to help them work in their companies at night after I'm done building on working on things that I love doing, and then helping their passion. So that my definite freedom shifts as I go through different stages of my life. And I love taking that time. Like where those, that two days has been, 
kind of like a radical transformation where you really get away from everybody. You get away from the company. You get away from the people. You turn off the cell phone, and you have you try to find some people to do this with, and you kind of go through methodically, like, where am I really at in my body? Like, my body's got worse in the last nine months over a bunch of different things. So I had to go back through and start taking all the health tests again and going, crap, why did I gain... I'm still walking. I'm still doing different things. Like what's happening, and and how do I shift, and what am I eating that's wrong, and then what is what about my routines got off course, and then am I being, am I meditating enough, am I doing the stacks, am I am I praying, am I journaling, am I am I reading whatever spiritual book specifically, and how is that really fitting in my life? Am I getting my adequate amount of sleep? And you're kind of reviewing every aspect of your life to say, okay, what am I going to focus on doing for this next quarter? And in that process, you discover true freedom in the structure. And I don't think I understood what that really meant. And, and, and I heard someone tell me that a long time ago. But they said, because my life's so scheduled, and, I, and I, in my schedule, I'm choosing the choices I want, I experience way more freedom by being way more scheduled. And I never thought that would be a truth, but my life is so scheduled out, like literally weeks and weeks and months and months. It's almost like, I mean, I know conferences until the middle, until the end of next year, I'll be at already of next year, of 2020, and things, and the meetings we're going to have and the dates we're going to have them already for next year. But there's a freedom when you're choosing what you want to do in the process. So, Right. And so by scheduling ourselves and being rigid, we are choosing those things that we actually want to do instead of being... I guess, sort of victim or being, uh, you know, stuck just sort of, you know, letting life or the outside forces dictate to us what fire we have to go run and try to put out. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're talking about, about making these intentional choices about, and it's almost like putting up a little bit of a wall, kind of a good wall, right? If you, it's easy to say no to something that you don't really want to do, that isn't that, you know, connected to your passion. If you've already got things scheduled out, right? I'm really sorry I can't come do that thing because I already have something like really awesome scheduled on that day. <laughs> Obviously, we're not phrasing it that way, but in our minds, right? We we kind of already laid out this plan and laid out this, uh, you know, a journey of what we want to do. And that helps, I guess, insulate us from all of the crap and the other things. And maybe the, even the, for me, sometimes is the ADD or the you know, impulsivity to go do something else that maybe isn't really what I should be doing um, because, you know, you didn't have that quite that that discipline. Um, you know, for someone that does as much as they do, and, and you certainly fall into that category, is that how you kind of manage, manage it? Or do you, have, do you also have people helping you manage that? Or how do you, what's that process look like to make sure that that's the, you're doing the right things over that period of time? I don't know if I'm doing the right thing always, Chris. That's going to be honest. <laughs> well, let's I just mean, assume you are for a moment, I guess. I'm getting any results or not in this area. I think. And that goes where back to the quarterly planning. You're like you're getting away for two days. You're spending every Sunday or Sunday night or Monday morning super early, like analyzing like what happened in the last seven. What do I want in the next seven? Like, man, it's simple as like I woke up Sunday. I pulled out my my my. I had two full journals of notes from two different two day things I did in the last, like, you know, 30, 45, 60 days or something. And I'm going through my next week going, okay, of all these things I wrote down, of all these thoughts, where am I at now with all this? Am I actually on track or am I off track? As simple as that. Like, I, I'm off track with my body again. Like, this is my big area, right? But I'm on track on the businesses. Like, we just hired a new president. I'm on track on, on launching some of this new SaaS application we've been working on. I'm on track on the new attorney login. I'm on track on Balance Genics and the new supplement release of the probiotics. I'm on track on my being, my spirituality, doing, doing you know, the daily 10-minute uh 
prayer and the 10 minute journaling. I'm on track on, on doing this little, little app that I've got, right? Those things I'm on track. Now, getting the body fat off right now, off track for some reason. So I'm doubling down even more health tests right now, right? And like on like all kinds of crazy health tests. I figure out, okay, well, why is, it, is this body fat not releasing? And then I'm also saying, okay, where am I at with my sleep? You know, on track or off track. And then doing that every seven days and then scheduling it out. Make sure like, okay, well, I'm waking up at 6. What happens at 6.10 and then 6.20 and then make, okay, that means I got to be in bed by 10.30. And if I'm just going to bed at midnight, I'm going to lose an hour and a half of sleep. And what am I committed to doing in the process? Am I going to make the sales meeting? What am I going to do in the sales meeting? You're kind of doing that, that process. And I know like that morning routine of that, like in 10 minutes study, 10 minute prayer, 10 minute journaling, and then doing the walk. And then doing that thing I was telling you about the stack, I do a four mile walk. And in that I do a production stack. I do an angry stack and I do two gratitude stacks, right? And where I'm just telling somebody, hey, I love you. I'm grateful for you. And here's why specifically. And then sharing those with different people in my life. And then the angry stack is like, what am I triggered by? How do I release that? And all of these become action items or action steps somewhere else too. And it's kind of a way of like really reviewing where I'm at. And the production is like, okay, what do I want to work on? And get hyper clear on what the goal is. What are the four things it's going to take to get there? What are the obstacles in the way? How to overcome those and giving those to the team that's going to execute on it and what my part in that would be. And so. So let's, let's take this for a moment. Anyone who's listening, I mean, you certainly have, to, you're taking it to level 10, maybe level nine and a half, right? And, and, and I'm just thinking about the average CEO, the average leader out there. The point I want them to understand is that thinking about this and doing some of these things can have such an important impact on you um and whether or not you want to go you know do as many of the things that you're talking about and there are people out there that definitely will want to and there are other people who are like well let me just start with one thing let me get that going right let me just try one new thing today or this week and see how that impacts me but what i'm wondering is as leaders begin to do this and they begin to see the difference that it makes of all the things that you're talking about how does that then help reshape culture? How does that change the goals and the focus and the strategy inside of businesses going forward? For things to change, I must change. For things to get better, I must get better. Till I give my better, till my better is best, and my best is better than the rest. And I think for anything to change or any culture to change, we have to change first. Like for my company change, I had to change. For my for the company to grow, I had to grow. For the for the people to grow around me, I had to grow. For the people to be honest, I had to be honest. For the people to be inspired, I had to be inspired. For the people to show up and get shit done, I had to show up. Sorry, I had to show up and get things done. You know, <laughs> and I think that's right. the reality of anything in any leadership realm. And then you to be the leader of one, you've got to be the leader of many. But if you can't lead the one, you can't lead any. And who's the one? We're the one, right? So at what level do we want to go? What level do we want to grow? What level do we want to have impact? What level, you know, what is the long-term 20, 30, 40-year goal that we have that we want to live out? I mean, you can easily grow something and get numbers up or easily grow something and get profits or easily grow something and at the sacrifice of what the people along the way or sacrifice of being in a, um, an a-hole to people or the sacrifice of not impacting life or the sacrifice of just using people along the way. Or we can choose to grow ourselves and impact our lives and impact the lives of those around us. And that's why we do like the daily, like the daily reading around the company and get everyone to, we buy the books and we spend the five or 10 minutes a day that the company pays for an hourly and hourly people 
you know, where they have to read the book. They have to share in the daily huddle, like, what are they getting out of the book? What, what impact? Or I mean, if they thought the book sucked, I mean, a lot of times you'll read the one, I never read the one thing, and like, half the team is like, oh, this sucks. Half the part of this book sucks, and then part of it they really like. So, and everyone likes something different. And, but you've got to be able to create the space and hold the space and expand who we are as leaders by what we do first before we can ever impact the culture around us. So what's next for you? I mean, you're you're doing so many different things. Uh, other 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 ideas? Are there experiments? Are there things that you're starting to think about that maybe you're going to do here this month or next month that uh, we, we we should look for on the horizon from you? Um, right now we've got we're just scaling the one company, the main company, Supplier, scaling Balancemics now. Uh, going to start working on more software apps for that, and that's where the testing thing comes in and deep dives. And we're launching a program called Hatch for entrepreneurs here soon. Uh, probably start doing the promotion for it in the next few weeks here, but, you know, just kind of crank it away, Chris, man. <laughs> just keep broadcasting the show, keep working on the post, keep trying to impact people's lives and helping the entrepreneurs that we are working with. Um, it's super fun watching them grow. So you have mentioned a lot of books already, but is there a book maybe you're reading right now or one that you typically suggest people should check out if they're thinking about uh, improving themselves as a leader? You know, wh- where should they go first? Well, I think for any entrepreneur, I think anything by Vern Harness, scaling up or mastering the Rockefeller habits are like the basics and like the Bibles of running a business. You know, and I, I promote Vern like to no end. He's just a guy who built EO Entrepreneurs Organization. I think if they if they're an entrepreneur or CEO, they should be involved with like EO or YPO or a Vistage or something. Like find a group that you resonate with. There's a lot of amazing, like truly legit ones out there that aren't gonna, you know, spend a lot of money on that are fantastic like EO and YPO, those type of groups, right? And definitely Vern Harness, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits and Scaling Up for Entrepreneurs. Well, those are great books and certainly uh, well worth uh, anyone's time to take a look at. Uh, there's a lot of great information in there. You know, if, if someone was listening today and maybe they got distracted and they only heard one thing, they only heard you say one really smart thing, what's that one thing you hope they would remember and take away from our conversation today? For things to change, I must change. For things to get better, I must get better. Well, that's it's fantastic uh, advice. I, I recently read uh, a book where they said, you know, if you care about people, you care about people. And it was such a simple statement, right? You can, it's easy to walk around and yeah. say, oh, yeah, we care about our people. But you actually have to care about your people and do stuff that's for real. So I love that. Yeah. You know, if you want to, if you want things to get better, you have to get better. I mean, that is just it's really, really powerful, strong message. And I appreciate you being on the show today and sharing that with everybody. Um, how can people find you on social? How can they get all your inspiration, uh, see more about your coaching? Maybe they're, they need your, your help on the legal side with uh, Simplurus. Tell us all the different ways that people can go out there and find you. So if you're listening today, go to at Hoffman Troy. That's at H-O-F-F-M-A-N-T-R-O-Y. Um, follow me on Instagram. There's tons of links on there. We're constantly promoting uh, cool stuff and little mini seminars to people and doing cool events for those who are in the Orange County, California area. And we're traveling around. We're going to be doing some events in India this year and some other uh, parts of Europe. So we'll let people know as we're there following us on that. 
Um, and that's kind of the, really the main one right now, the main channel. If you go to TroyHoffman.com, you can check out and get access to the podcast, the blogs, tons of free content we're constantly giving out to people. Um, on Facebook, we broadcast the show. We had Chris on there. Just all this stuff is a lot of this stuff for free. It's helping impact other entrepreneurs. Well, and I certainly suggest people go and check all those out. I think some of those videos, the one you and I did was a lot of fun. I think the, you, that kind of setting where you've interviewed a lot of other people, those are really fantastic, very digestible, kind of easy uh, you know, watches. Uh, sometimes those things can be a little cumbersome, but you, the way you do it is, I think, was really, really spot on. So I think people should go and check those out, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. Um, I certainly follow all, all your stuff and really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing so much of your wisdom and knowledge. And I hope people can check you out and check out all the different resources and, and books that you mentioned. And again, thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Troy. <laughs> I love you, Chris. Have fun, man. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's show and gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Please join me next week as I bring in Ken Meeks, president and CEO of Resource One International and Nathan Hirsch, owner of Free Up. Until then, do you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.